Before you start listening, we just wanted to give you the heads up that this podcast discusses personal experiences of sexual harassment, which may be triggering. It also contains legal information, which isn't intended as legal advice, but we've included lots of useful contacts and resources in our show notes to help you find the individual support you need. things were much freer for women to come forward and speak. But Australia has some of the most stringent um, and archaic laws around defamation in the world. Now, hang on a minute. We've just done four episodes encouraging people to speak out about sexual harassment or sexual abuse. And now we've dropped the D word? Seriously? Yeah, seriously. And it's something that we need to talk about because it's really tricky. How do we encourage women to speak up and then also say, but there are just a few rules if you wouldn't mind following them, please. It is Penny Terry here, and this is a bonus episode of Rule of Thumb where we'll learn how to speak up safely. Because as Nadine, not her real name, has seen, ridiculous, right? There is some risky stuff happening and she's worried the message about risk is getting lost. Part of me is really excited that we have this movement um, and we are starting to hear the voices of those that have traditionally been silenced. I have a really strong belief that if we are open to hearing these stories that that the answers to prevention are sitting in those stories and in those voices and in those experiences. Why do you think the stories are so powerful at helping people to understand? Um, Because they they give people a way to anchor their understanding in something tangible and real and in a real person, a real face you know, someone that they can identify with and relate to, to have people stand up and have their voices heard loud and clear um, is really exciting, you know, because we can, when we unpack those stories, we we unpack the answers to prevention. But then through things like defamation, people can be open to further, essentially systems abuse. When we, what we know about perpetrators of, you know, any sort of abuse, we know that they are entitled. We know that they have a sense of superiority. They love controlling the narrative. And so what can happen is that through things like defamation, people can be open to further, essentially systems abuse, because these people get allies or have power behind them, which they often do then they've got quite a strong arsenal, you know, on their side and that can be quite damaging for for anyone who's wanting to speak out. As a women's advocate, what sorts of things are you seeing people do to share their stories and while you're excited, you kind of also worry? What are some examples? Yeah, look, social media is a, a really challenging space I think because it's such a powerful tool for creating change and and understanding and what gets put up there is for pretty much everyone to see and and that's kind of the point of it but at the same time 
it can be difficult if you're telling something which implicates somebody else. It's essentially publishing. I've seen posts of women with bruising or naming and shaming someone that they claim did something, you know, sexual to them, that sort of thing. And so in one way, it's good that we're calling out behaviour. But on the other hand, you know, there are there are implications, you know, and appropriate ways to do that, which safeguard victims. Yeah, very tricky space to, to navigate. Um, but I think it's well worth the effort in in working out ways to navigate it appropriately and still have those voices that we need to hear being protected from further damage that victims can, can face through systems abuse. What sort of damage? Well, anyone who's been through any sort of legal um, process or proceedings knows that it's, for one, costly. And it's not just the financial burden, which can be huge, it's, it's the emotional burden. Because the nature of any court is adversarial, you've got a situation where giving evidence can really uh, replicate what it's like to suffer abuse. So uh, the process of, of giving evidence, only answering questions, um, not being able to add any context... Um, and, and basically feeling voiceless and powerless um, while this horrendous mess is sort of unfolding around you. And also the um, every time people tell their stories, um, regardless of how strong their sense of their own truth is, it challenges you to feel that somebody will be deciding whether or not you're a truthful person, you know, and that's that's the whole of you. It's not just, you know, you're not playing a game and, you know, it's actually about you and, and your truth and whether or not that's seen as valid in it, yeah. So it's a, it's a really tough gig. I wouldn't, yeah, wish it on anyone. I feel like this is the super tricky bit, right? I mean, in listening to Nadine, not her real name, talk about the risk, yet the benefit of speaking up, there's a little part of you that's also thinking, but yeah, we need defamation laws, don't we? Do we? I asked that of Deb Bailey, the Principal Solicitor at the Women's Legal Service Tasmania. Uh, sure. And look, I suppose the reality is that the history around this was the law of slander and libel. And it was simply that people shouldn't go around saying terrible things that damage people's reputation um, in circumstances where that was untruthful or unfair. It's an interesting law. There's been a lot of discussion around reforming this area of law for many years now. Um, But I can tell you, it certainly wasn't designed thinking about victims of abuse, sexual harassment, sexual assault. Those issues probably weren't even conceived in this space. So it probably needs a bit of updating. There is a link in our show notes where you can learn about defamation, so we won't go into the technical stuff here. And it's really technical. It's really complicated. So the key bit is to get some individual help with this. Call a lawyer. Call the Women's Legal Service. So here, we'll just go through three points to keep in mind. 
For something to be defamatory, it has to be published. Now, that doesn't mean in the newspaper, but sharing the information with more than one person. So that could be in a conversation, or on your socials, or even yelling it out on the street. Secondly, the person you're talking about needs to be identifiable. And that doesn't just mean saying someone's name. It can be by association. Could someone else work out who you're talking about? And thirdly, whatever has been said needs to damage a person's reputation as far as a reasonable person is concerned. Now, chances are this stuff brings up more questions than answers. And I had plenty more questions for lawyer Deb Bailey. If we look specifically at sexual harassment, if you report through your reporting mechanisms to more than one person, are you liable for defamation? The law allows you to make appropriate reports to appropriate authorities for things that have things of this nature. Okay, so highly unlikely that that would become defamatory if you're reporting to police or Equal Opportunity Commission in Tasmania. It's more about a publication that is not done in those formal settings, I suppose. So we shouldn't be preventing people from seeking assistance from police or medical professionals or um, other authorities that may be able to assist. That's not what this is about. Even if somebody did take try and take defamation action in those circumstances, I have no doubt that um, the courts would not look upon that favourably. But at the same time, I think there is still a, a bit of caution around it. And all, all we really want is for people to have a think about it um, so that they're safe and they don't get caught up in this what can be a terrible system because defending a defamation action is not only expensive, it it's, can be soul-destroying for people. And part of the difficulty here is that um, statements will have been made and it's their word against her word. And she's put into a position where she has to prove um, the truthfulness about what she has said. And that's really difficult when we're talking about these sorts of matters because they don't happen in front of an audience and there's rarely documentary evidence available to support the claim that's made. And it does, you know, if you've, if you've been somebody who, for instance, has been sexually harassed in a workplace or sexually abused, that's bad enough. But then getting pulled into a defamation trial and having to defend the truthfulness of um, what happened to you is just further damage. There are a number of defences for defamation, truth being a big one. There's also the defence of qualified privilege, which allows you to raise a sexual harassment complaint with an employer, or absolute privilege, which allows you to raise a complaint with an external body, like Fair Work. The update being considered at the time of recording is whether or not to add in the public interest as another defence. And then there are also other things to consider when there are reports of sexual harassment, such as managing confidentiality in workplace investigations, internal or out-of-court settlements, and so-called gag clauses. So again, it's a complicated system, and we need to get individual advice from the professionals to make sure we get it right. And we can, because as Nadine, 
not her real name, knows. These stories need to be heard, but we just need to take the time, get the advice, think about clever and creative ways that we can be heard while still protecting ourselves from systems that haven't caught up yet. I think that's that's the point. We need to tell the stories so that the systems will catch up. And, you know, as women, we, we, we're good at doing that. We're good at working our way through and just being really smart about how we do it. So let's not be scared, but let's be smart and get a checklist of things to think about before we go and talk publicly or publish our stories. Here's lawyer Deb Bailey. There's a couple of um, circumstances where it's a bit safer to speak to speak up about your experience. So if the person who you are saying has harmed you has passed away, they're deceased, well, they can't take defamation action against you. So that's a tick. Pretty clear cut. Yeah, they can't take defamation action and they can't transfer that right onto their estate or their legal representative um, through their estate. So that's the safest time. Um, and then it's sort of a bit downhill from there. But if somebody has been charged and then convicted of sexually abusing you, for instance, then there are circumstances where you can speak out about that. But in Tasmania, I just want to go through what that should look like. So you need to be over the age of 18. Um, you need to have been the victim of a sexual crime. You need to have freely given your consent in writing to the publication before it's distributed. And the criminal proceedings against the other person must have been finalised or terminated. Um, so they're the reforms that Grace Tame and Nina Funnell were instrumental in bringing into Tasmania. Um, but, you know, it's not carte blanche. You need to still be very careful in that regard. So... Um, bring up, get some advice from our service if you need to before you talk about that stuff. The other thing that I just wanted to say is that it's it's never appropriate or even legal to speak about children. You can't talk about family law proceedings. There are penalties that apply under the Family Law Act for anyone who speaks about proceedings in that jurisdiction. You also need to be extremely careful if you're currently involved in any um, legal matter, whether that's in the family law court, um, the criminal courts or civil proceedings. Um, so if you I kept on talking with Deb and going through the precautions. There's lots. It's the sort of stuff that you need to get your own advice from the professionals, not a podcast. But after hearing it all, there was one question that I was wondering about. How likely is it that we have perpetuated perhaps a myth that it is safe to speak? Um, I think that's probably true and I it's further complicated because a lot of that was generated through the Me Too movement in America and of course America's um, law is quite different to what the law of Austra in Australia is. One of the things um, that they talk about, particularly in the area of defamation, is that Australia has some of the most stringent um, and archaic laws around defamation in the world. So in America, things were much freer for women to come forward and speak about their experience. But in Australia, we've had much more limited ability to do that. So will there be reforms? Should there be reforms? I'll leave that one with you. 
Sometimes, though, you just need answers to the questions. And on this podcast, we want to make sure we don't get too bogged down in the problems, but we also offer some solutions, some things that you can do. Elena Thomas is the CEO of Engender Equality, and she spends a lot of time talking with victims, survivors of gendered abuse. One of the most powerful things that, and, and easy things for us to do is to um, give space to people who've experienced violence and abuse and harassment to talk about um, their experience and tell us what needs to happen um, so it can be prevented or addressed in the future. And every workplace or has this opportunity. And when my experience is when we do listen to people who've experienced harassment about what was that experience like how was that for you it it immediately goes to this place where we are valuing that usually a woman we're valuing that woman we're reinforcing her credibility based on her experience we're giving her an opportunity to speak about a harrowing experience that she's had that we've kind of pushed under the carpet but hang on a minute now we're bringing into the light and we're acknowledging that this has happened we're showing other victim survivors who might have had that experience of being disbelieved discredited that this is a new this is a new game here and we're listening now Um, and it also gives us that very um very particular expertise that if you haven't experienced you don't know you can't learn um, about what it's like to be a victim of abuse from reading about it because it's long term it's psychological it changes the way that you think so we need to be listening to the, the affected communities about this and we do have that opportunity to do is it time that you got an advocate to speak with your team, your board or your club? There are lots of people who've done the work and they know how to share their stories safely and they're ready to talk to you. Before we get to the end of this bonus episode, I want to check back in with Nadine, not her real name. What does it feel like to be voiceless? Really, really frustrating really frustrating Um, and it's something that kind of quietly eats away at you it's it's constantly there alongside of the voiceless is the powerlessness as well that that sense that doesn't matter what you do this is going to go in a certain direction um, and you have no way of, of shaping or changing that it's yeah, it's happening externally and, yeah, it's yeah, it's a yeah, really awful experience. What does it feel like to have that opportunity to find your voice and be able to share your story? Oh, awesome. Yeah, women have told me that being able to find their voice, connect to their story and, and make sense of their story through speaking, engaging, um, is part of the journey to recovery. They're able to see that the shame and the stigma is not theirs to own. It's that final step in finding comfort, I think, and placing the, the shame where it belongs on somebody else's shoulders, yeah. Are you invested now? Do you want to know more? You can. You can hear women's stories, you can read about defamation, you can find fact sheets and find the right place for you to get some help in our show notes. So please check them out. 
Plus, scroll up and down in this feed. We've got two other seasons of Rule of Thumb where women share their stories about navigating our legal systems. And if you're about to go through it or are going through it, it's possibly the best resource you'll find. I'm Penny Terry, and you've been listening to a bonus episode of Rule of Thumb, a podcast for the Women's Legal Service Tasmania. This project was funded by the Tasmanian Government through the Department of Communities as part of the COVID-19 Family Violence Response.